Welcome to Unity of Tucson. Well, I'm gonna, I want to tell you, first of all, I had dinner at my aunt and uncle's last night. We, uh, my husband and I went down to uh, their place. They live down in Green Valley. Uh, we were celebrating my father's birthday. Happy, happy birthday, Dad. <laughs> and um, and it, was a, it was a great night. I mean, we just had such a lovely time. It was, it was just the uh, five of us. My husband, me, my dad, and my aunt and uncle. And at, at the dinner table, we started talking about unity of Tucson. And to my knowledge, I don't know that they've ever engaged or watched a video or really. I mean, they, they know that I'm a minister and they, you know, have a peripheral sense. And they always ask me to lead grace whenever I um, sit at the <laughs> dinner table. <clears throat> but part of what we were talking about was, you know, the... the, uh, the technology that we have acquired recently that has allowed us to move to a four-camera shoot and things like that for those who enjoy us online, and redoing some of the lighting and getting the slides uh, updated and everything. And at the dinner table, we said, well, you know, maybe we'll go online. You can see a couple minutes. We can show you some snippets of the service. We ended up watching the whole service from last Sunday. And, um, and it was very well received, and I'm so grateful for that. The, 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 the benefit of watching the whole service from last week as I actually heard what I said last week. <laughs> it was a good talk. Yeah. It was a good message. Um, and it also opened up for me some things that I wanted to talk about today. The glasses are coming off. and some of the reactions I had to last week's talk as well. So I want to start with this. First of all, somebody came to me, you know, as, I, as we exit, I usually stand at the doors, the double doors back there, and people will come through and say hello and grateful for that. And someone had asked me, they said, did you say that love is impersonal? And I said, yes. Divine love is impersonal. Divine, and that's an, that's an important distinction that I want to make sure is clear following last week's talk. The infinite divine is impersonal. It doesn't care who or what it loves. It just loves for the sake of loving. We, yes, we are the ones who personalize divine love. So love is absolutely personal to the degree that we allow love to be personal. So I think that was a very important distinction to make and grateful for the opportunity to um, clarify that from last week. Another comment that I got, because last week was a challenge for some people, because I basically said, love only. It's the first phrase of our mission statement, love only, no matter what, irrespective of differences, irrespective of challenge or the perception of conflict, love only. That is the work that we are here to do, right? Yeah. Yes. And then someone came through and said, you know, there's a, I'm going to paraphrase and put my own spin on it, so I just want to be very clear because I know that this individual is in the room today, so I'm paraphrasing what you said last week. But basically, a message came through that said, you know, when we have had to go to war, 
and we've had to point guns at each other, essentially. Um, is that in alignment, or is it not in alignment? How do, you know, basically the question underlying that is, how do you love only in that circumstance? And I want to be very clear. There are times in this construct of life where we have been invited to have to put ourselves into a place of protecting ourselves. And that's okay, too. That's okay, too. You know, essentially, there was a, a phrase that said, if someone holds a gun to my head, I'm going to do what I need to do. And I said, yeah, I would, too. I would, too. And that's hard for me as well, because I do stand up here every single week and I say, love only, love only, love only. Forgive everything, forgive everything, forgive everything. But all of that must be rooted in that third part of the mission statement, which is remember who you are. Remember who you are. And so as I really was thinking about what I wanted to say today, um, I have some things that I'm going to just let you know are probably going to be very challenging today because they're challenging me. They're inviting me to take a look at how am I expressing and existing in this thing called life when I can look all around me and see all the hardship. I can see all the discord. I can see it, right? I can see it. It doesn't mean that I personally have to participate in it, but what's happening right now is... In my community, and I'm going to say that I have a particularized community that is separate from the community of many people in this room, not all, but in my community, uh, we're under attack right now. The LGBTQIA community is under attack in this country right now. I sometimes feel like I have a gun to my head. And it is a daily practice to determine how do I move forward with love only in my heart because that's what I stand for. How do I address what is happening that I can see in this world, in this country? How do I live and preach what I preach with what's happening to my brothers and sisters I don't know that I've resolved that yet, to be totally honest. But here's what I do hold firm in. I have a belief. I have a belief that an ultimate goal in this thing called life is a complete emancipation from all discord. I believe that that is possible. I believe that it is in rooms like this where we are learning to put love forth as the primary focus and energy that we, right where we are, are establishing a consciousness free of discord. It's not been easy. On June 12th, 2016, I was in Guatemala. I've talked about Guatemala before. It's a, service, uh, it's a service that I have done a few times where I go to Guatemala. I work with children uh, in a boarding school in the jungles of the Real Dulce area on the uh, Caribbean coast of Guatemala. And we go there 
And at the invitation, we're not going there to proselytize, we're going there at the invitation of the organization that runs that school to teach English. And when we're there, because it's my background, we, we teach music and we have a lovely time interacting with these 250 to 300 children who live in what we would recognize as abject poverty in the jungles of the, in the rainforest of Guatemala. The, I've mentioned before that the access to the school is by boat. So it's isolated. It's isolated. June, six, June 12th, 2016, I was there. My husband, Dane, was there. And, you know, we, we get boat, we boat into the school every day to do our work with the youth. And at the end of the day, we get in the boat and they take us back to, you know, our accommodations. And at the school, they run power off of a generator one hour a day. So they have no electricity uh, other than one hour a day when they run off of a generator. So we go back to our very cushy accommodations, cushy to Guatemalan standards, and um, where we have access to Wi-Fi. And so we, of course, go online and we check in with all the news. And on that date, June 12th, 2016, my husband asked me if I had seen any of the posts from our friends who were living in Orlando, Florida that day. I've met, I, I, I've, I've done a lot of travel and um, I know a lot of people and I have friends who were part of the community that was affected by the shooting at Pulse that day. You know, it was a challenge too because, you know, we have this information and then we go back to experience these youth. We're offline, we're disconnected. How great is that? I mean, really, I think we should all disconnect more. Um, disconnect from the circumstances and reconnect with the infinite. That's what I mean when I say that. So we're offline from the circumstances most of the day. And I started to consider my own fear. I started to consider my own fear. Here I am in the jungles of Guatemala thinking to myself, am I truly safe in this world? Am I truly safe in this world? And one of the things that I thought about, and you know, I really do um, work to not bring in politics, but I want to make this phrase and, and I trust you understand it in the context in which it is intended. My very existence as an out and open member of the LGBTQIA community is in, in and of itself a political statement. I live every single day as a politicized individual in this society in ways that many people don't quite understand. And I don't let myself get lost in that but I do hold firm in my resolve that I refuse to go backwards in my life. And I have oftentimes also aligned this understanding of coming out as a gay man when I came out as a gay man um, is also akin to when I had to come out as a spiritual person in the gay community. <laughs> You're a minister? Because there is discord there. There is discord there. There's a challenge. And so my 
desire in life is that we can all ultimately resolve ourselves in love. This state of mind to question whether or not I'm safe in this world is a state of mind that ultimately creates the experience of bondage. I bind myself in discord when I ask the question, am I safe in this world? And I'm not saying that we shouldn't ask the question. I'm saying resolve yourself in an answer quickly. Resolve yourself in an answer quickly. November 19th, 2022. A mile away from where my cousin and her wife live in Colorado Springs was another event at Club Q. This is closer, I think, than anybody realizes to many, many, many people. And so it then again brought up this idea in me to question, am I safe in this world? I am. I am safe in this world because I know who I am. And I've done a lot of work to know who I am. And that is why I encourage each and every one of us every single week to truly deepen in the understanding of your core identity. Who you are is so magnificent. Who you are is pure love. And if you truly understand that and recognize it in the faces of every single person you encounter, life transforms and you can free yourself of any bondage that you may be feeling. As many of you know, I come from the background originally of religious science and the founder of religious science, Ernest Holmes, had this to offer. He said, while bondage is an experience, there is a reality to which bondage is not real. Bondage is only in the realm of experience. If we truly know who we are, if we understand the infinite consciousness of which we are all a part, if we truly understand this, that capital R reality, bondage in the world of form dissipates because we are never bound in our mind except to the degree that we allow it. Except to the degree that we allow it. So I'm encouraging us all today to break down the bonds, to let go of those erroneous ideas that have kept us in that frame of mind of thinking, am I safe in this world? Or whatever it is for you, that's what it has been for me. I invite us all to truly take to heart that understanding. Remember who you are. Remember who you are. We have a choice. I have a choice in this. I can either succumb to the victim consciousness or I can step forth in an elevated consciousness. An elevated consciousness to know who I am. Because here's the thing. If I live my life, and I invite us all to consider this for ourselves. If we live our lives with a victim consciousness, you know what happens? We see perpetrators everywhere. We make everything out there the perpetrators to our victimization. That's on us. It has nothing to do with anyone out there. So as soon as we are ready to free our minds, to let go of the victim consciousness and step forth in an arisen consciousness. We're coming up on Easter. You're going to get a lot of it on Easter. 
When we rise in consciousness, when we rise in consciousness and let go of this idea that we are affected by anything outside the self, we become the creators of our experience more profoundly. That is the courage to live openly. That is the courage. This month, as we have focused, we've made the focus of our month courage, the idea of courage. What is it to live courageously and openly as yourself, authentically and wholeheartedly? That, to me, is the most magnificent expression of courage possible, to live vulnerably and authentically. Do you have a willingness to do that? We in these venues get it, right? Absolutely. And the rest of you? I mean, I say it every week. Know who you are. Remember who you are. While we may know who we are, when we go out beyond these walls, there is a strong majority still out there living under another idea. That, is, that idea is the idea of separation. The reality to which bondage is not real, the reality to which bondage is not real, is a place in our hearts that we might have temporarily forgotten exists. And our work is to be expressive in this world, authentically and vulnerably, to be the way showers. That's what we were invited to be. That was Jesus' message. It was the message of the Buddha. It's the message of all traditions rooted in mystic understanding. We are to be the way showers, to understand more resolutely and deeply our own identity, express it to the world and say, I know who I am, I know who you are, and I invite you into the understanding of who you are. How can we forget who we are? It's real easy. It's real easy to forget who we are, right? Because we have been conditioned through most of our lives in the opposite direction. That conditioning can be changed, but it takes work. It takes work. And that's what people don't want to hear when they come to church on a Sunday. You got to work at this, folks. Here's the good news. You ready, William? Here's the good news. This philosophy is work until it's, not. until it's not. And that's the thing. When you have embodied a new frame of mind, when you have embodied the understanding of your true nature, your true identity, your true conscious connection as wholeness, life gets easy. Would you like your life to be easier? Yeah. Know who you are. That's how it gets easy. Know it to such a degree that there is nothing in the world of form that can shake you from that faith. This is not a new conversation. The irony of new thought is it's not new at all. <laughs> One of my favorite... Uh, <laughs> I know I mention it a lot, but you... Did you know that my previous career before I was a minister is I was a musical theater actor? 
shocker, I know, it's shocking. One of my favorite musicals um, is South Pacific. And um, that is a musical that really, if you, if you really study that musical, and it was a game changer in the world of musical theater, but in that, in that show, um, it's really asking very challenging questions about identity and about who we are and about the way that we express in this world. There's a magnificent song in that show called You've Got to Be Carefully Taught. So this conversation has been going on for a long time. These were the words in 1949 that were offered. You've got to be taught to hate and fear. You've got to be taught from year to year. It's got to be drummed in your dear little ear. You've got to be carefully taught. You've got to be taught to be afraid of people whose eyes are oddly made and whose skin is a different shade. You've got to be carefully taught. You've got to be taught before it's too late, before you are six or seven or eight, to hate all the people your relatives hate. You've got to be carefully taught. I wish that I had had this philosophy when I was six or seven or eight. Because whether we know it or not, we are taught discord. We are taught distrust. We are taught competition. We are taught fear. And then we come to these beautiful rooms and we try to relearn and let go of that teaching. That week, in June 2016, while the USA and my community were reeling from a tragedy, I was singing with 250 school children in the jungle. And this song that we were teaching was a song, you will never have heard of it. It was a song called, Wherever You Are, You're Home. Wherever you are, you're home. And it's because we carry our hearts with us. Wherever we are, we are home. In November 2022, we were preparing to celebrate Thanksgiving, to give thanks. That was a hard Thanksgiving for me last Thanksgiving. And yet, the work is to find ourselves on the other side of letting circumstances dictate our consciousness. When we decide to live free, there is nothing and no one who can change that. It's a job that begins in mind and consciousness first and foremost. And it is up to us and no one else to emancipate ourselves from discord. When we courageously live openly, we will eliminate discord. And I think that we are on the verge of tipping the scales because we're really on that fulcrum, right? It's like a real balancing act. And I think the fear and the hate has got a little bit more weight right now, but we are the ones who are tipping the scales so that love Light, life, peace, power, beauty, joy are the things that this entire world of humanity experiences and expresses. Yes. 
We are the ones. It is up to us to serve as examples of love and light. It is up to each and every one of us to change the world, to drive out darkness by shining our own light. Peace and blessings. You are magnificent. Thank you. Thank you. If you're new to our community, I give homework every week. I said it's work. The homework this week is actually a simple phrase, but some may not find it very easy. This week, I would like you to resolve at least one conflict in your life. That's the homework. Resolve at least one conflict in your life. Hi, this is Reverend Jonathan Zenz, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message. Your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration. You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, unitytucson.com. Once again, thank you for listening. You are magnificent. Namaste.